On this week's episode, we delve into the odor-abundant world of the Martinique muskrat. We talk about how this crafty stowaway turned island dweller never had a chance. Did you say odor-abundant? Odor-abundant. Plus, I geek out on volcanoes. So nothing new. I've never talked about volcanoes on here, have I? I find that impossible to believe. All right, let's go. Did you ever feel so bad inside? Welcome to Extinction Event, Jack. Hi, Melissa. Oh, my gosh. What? What a week, huh? I guess it's been a week. What, something happened to you? I, mean, I was just listening pretty... to the last podcast so many times. I think it's one of our best. Okay. All right. So It's going to be hard to top it this week. It, it was it was rough. It was it was rough. It was it felt to me like the first podcast we'd ever done. Like we didn't do 7 seasons. Has it been 7? It, this se- has is seven. been 7 yeah. seasons. Well, I mean, technically 6, you know, this is 7. So, I'm saying 6 seasons in a movie. That's the <laughs> we should do a movie. Whenever, that's what they did on Community, right? Six seasons uh, in a movie. Okay, yeah. Because so I think traditionally, you should start working on a movie. Well, maybe this we could. It'll be a mini series that cuts into a movie. It's, you're essentially watching a ten-hour movie. <laughs> I, anyway, it was bad, and I'm uh, I'm just trying not to dwell on it. Like that's water under the bridge. It was a rough episode. Yeah. <laughs> But here we are, and we're talking about the Martinique muskrat, which is an impossible combination of words to say. Not that impossible. When you're reading it, it seems very... Martinique muskrat. You said it. You have to say it like Hermione Granger. Martinique muskrat. See? Perfect. You're right. You remember last episode when I was stuttering the entire time, and I said... This season's all about making animals you don't care about feel cool. Uh, that particular quote might have slipped my mind. <laughs> right. well, I think there. probably because I'm like, oh, great. Melissa's going into the pupfish territory. Yeah. Infamously, uh, the worst performing episode we've ever done. I don't, it might be. I don't know. I haven't looked at the stats, but yes, that is the theme of this season. And um, I mean, no one's searching on the internet for the Martinique muskrat. You know, like who it, what is that even? I don't know. Never heard of it. Right. I, I don't know if I should wait to share this with you, but I printed out a picture of one for you. Let me see. Okay. Here it is. I'm handing the paper over. It's a, a little pixelated. <laughs> this is just a rat. <laughs> it looks a lot like a rat, yeah. Well, everything about it. It's a, uh, all right, I'm looking from right to left. I see a long tail that looks like a rat, a big hump butt back that looks like a rat, <laughs> like, you know, about to chew on a piece of pizza. Ears look rat. And then the only part that doesn't look exactly like a rat is the nose, which is a little mm. more stubby. Otherwise, cool. that's just your yeah. regular, you know, see it on the subway rat. Rat, yeah. It's very similar to a rat, but it's musky. 
Hence the name. Yeah, it's musky. It's got a musk to it. <laughs> oh, good. It's smelly yeah. rat. That's why it's called a muskrat. I didn't know that. The, <laughs> it's just smelly the rat. The clues were all there. I know. Okay, so it's a large species of the West Indian rice rat. It's a version of one of those. And apparently it was nearly as big or as big as a cat. Which I personally find hard to believe. A stinky rat as big as a cat. Yeah. I don't know. We don't have a lot of info on this creature. So. And you're wondering why it's nearly extinct. I'm not wondering because I know because I, I went through and I, I found out. But. um. Well, learn me up. Yeah. Okay. So it's musky. It's just a musky rat. Those musk glands are located near the base of this tail just say it <laughs> anus in the anus area and uh, they secrete a musky scent that they then spread on their fur they also will use it to mark their territory to deter predators and uh, for communication between other muskrats i guess each one of them has a very unique scent they could tell each other just by their scent. So that's pretty much their thing. I'm glad we aren't too much of a of a smell-based animal as humans, you know. We right, do right. make smells and we communicate sort of with smells, but like that's not our primary thing. Like we're not spraying trees yeah with our personal scent. Yeah. I'm glad for that too. It doesn't I, I don't think it works when you scale up to like millions and billions of people. Right? Yeah, it's like mixing colors. They all just sort of end up, it smells like one big color at the end. Does that make sense? It's not like New York City is what it smells like. <laughs> it smells like trash. <laughs> um, I was going to say, I'm glad we're not like that because even if somebody like on the subway or whatever walking by you on the street has a pungent perfume... Like that person picked that perfume out because they liked the smell. But for me, I'm like, this is disgusting. Get it away from me. I want to throw up. And it's supposed to be a pleasant smell. Yeah. I think those things are supposed to be like very faint, very subtle. And then they test them by like, you know, fire extinguisher spray. (laughs) And of course it's going to be unpleasant. Yeah, are we just allowing too much to come out in the little spurt on the perfume bottles? I think so, because if the proper amount came out, it would last for like 10 years. Right. You just buy one bottle a decade, and that's not going to keep Chanel afloat. Yeah. Right. Okay, so these muskrats, they have a special smell. They are omnivores and mostly nocturnal. The Martinique muskrats were good swimmers and would swim into the sea to escape predators or to prey on aquatic animals and forage for vegetation in the waters. So that was kind of a little feature they had developed from being on an island. So it's doing this around Martinique, which is part of the West Indies, but that's a bit of a dated term, something you'd read in a textbook, right? Today, we'd probably just say it's a Caribbean island. Mm. Uh, The muskrat was inadvertently introduced to the island by seafarers. When exactly is unknown? Uh, I mean, we've talked about that before. I think Rat Island. They hop onto boats. They go up through the the lines. 
run up the ropes, hop yep. on a boat, catch a ride, hop off at the next island, yeah, and, multiply. Right. And it adapted well to the island, made a nice little home there. Overall, sounds pretty idyllic. Uh, you know, it's swimming in the waters. It's living this lush island life way better than probably where it came from in Europe. Yeah. Until humans started putting a bunch of coconut plantations on Martinique. They also had sugarcane plantations there. I just, as I'm researching, it was more about the coconut plantations for some reason. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Sugarcane, coconut, pick your poison. Yeah. The muskrats reportedly started causing damage to those coconut plantations. Uh-oh. <laughs> How do you ask? Chomping them up? Uh, a little bit, we think. A, a little bit of chomping of the Making roots. Making the coconut stinky? <laughs> I mean, does the island... Do you roll up to that island after they've colonized it and it's just... Pungent? Yeah. I mean, that's a good reason to get rid of... The, a muskrat population. Well, if I'm like sorting through some coconuts, I'm looking to purchase, and one of them is obviously very stinky. Musky, yes. Yeah. I'm not going to buy that one. Yeah. We don't have a bunch of, you know, written documents or accounts of the specific scent of the coconuts and what was happening there. So I don't know, but I would assume that was part of it. But we do know that... They had a, a tendency to burrow. That's a natural behavior for a muskrat, to burrow. Which, if the muskrats were digging burrows in the vicinity of coconut plantations, that would have destabilized the soil, potentially led to erosion. You've got water logging in parts of it. Maybe they're nibbling on those roots. Whatever it is, it's having a negative impact in some way at least from the perspective of the coconut plantation owners. Yeah. And they decide, yeah, we're going to get rid of these guys. Look, I'm not super concerned if they try to extinct these guys right. because they came on a ship anyways. It's not like they've been there, you know, yeah. running the course of evolution and, and just like primed themselves to live at this specific island over millions of years. No. Yeah. You don't feel bad. No. Too bad about this one. Rats on an island? No. Didn't we have a whole episode about how they almost eradicated all the rats from an island to save the birds? That was, I feel like yeah. I read a book about that yes. that I've forgotten. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're not on the muskrat side this episode, I'm okay with that. That's fine. We can root for people on this one. It does undermine my attempt at making you like the insignificant animals that I'm going to be talking about this season. <laughs> but as long as you're interested in the story, that's all I'm... I want to hear here. about like some Gatling gun that they made <laughs> specifically for this. Maybe some giant mouse trap. They engineered a musky smell so musky that the rats could not... Yeah, couldn't resist. resist yeah. And then they lit them all on fire or something. Right. Okay, so I don't know exactly what they were trying to do. Uh, trapping, hunting, a specialized Gatling gun, 
a musky smell they developed. I don't know exactly. There's not a lot of information, but ultimately they decide to bring in the ultimate in pest control. Meow. (laughs) Try again. The try a different cat or (laughs) species. Wrong species. Oof. Oh no, no. Um, I'm just gonna give it to you. It's the (laughs) see the whole barnyard if you want. (laughs) The small Indian mongoose. Okay. Yeah, why don't I guess that? And also, I don't know what sound they make. I don't know what sound they make, but I printed out a couple of pictures of mongoose for you because sure. I want. This is going to be a battle between the mongoose and the muskrats, and I just wanted you to visualize this. Okay, yeah. Like if you're listening and you're not driving, maybe you should Google it. It's a small Indian mongoose, and we have the uh, Martinique muskrat that it's uh, up against. Here you go, Jack. Maybe you could just help describe what you're seeing. Yeah, it looks like a little Muppet. Um, more, yeah, more of a sock puppet-like face. Just pretty sleek. And then the body is very much like a tube sock with legs. Now now flip to the other picture. Whoa, this guy's mad. He's got his mouth open. He's got a couple little fangs. And it looks like if he bit me, it would definitely draw blood. And I would have to go get some type of shot and develop a fever and break out into hives. Big teeth. Like, I it, I don't know what sound they make, but I'm. it looks like that thing is going. Yeah, I would say that's an accurate description of the sound that could emanate from that picture. They're, they're not big, but they are beasts, these mongoose. They're super agile. They're skilled climbers, really good hunters. They're one of the few small animals, mammals, uh, with the ability to fight off snakes. And not just like a garden snake, like- Cobras. Yeah, crazy Famously, snakes. Famously, no. Yeah. I had forgotten that, that they could do that. And like, they're faster and more agile than snakes. And they're resistant to snake venom. So in most cases, they can defend themselves and kill the snake. Top of the food chain, baby. Great. Like, just the ultimate killer, these guys. Uh, honey badgers also are another small mammal that can fight snakes. Which... Who, who's going to win, mongoose or honey badger? I, I, I'm going mongoose. They're just fast. I think they're faster than a honey badger. I think honey badger is a little more tank-like. Yeah, it's bigger. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. These guys are quick. They're going to jump around and grab you from the back and rip you up, hop on your back. And anyway, okay. Releasing mongoose onto islands to take out rat populations, usually in defense of sugarcane populations, used to be a fairly common practice. Mm-hmm. So that's what they did on Martinique in 1890. And so these little guys went to work. They're hunting down muskrats who couldn't really defend themselves. I guess they're also impervious to that musky smell. They don't care. Don't care. From the plantation owner's perspective, this was great. But obviously, in retrospect, this plan had some pretty big blind spots. 
mainly you can't tell a mongoose to only eat the muskrats. <laughs> it's going to eat anything and everything on that island. Yeah. And it does. It really messes up the ecosystem there. But that that's not really the story. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the Martinique muskrats. They're not doing great. The population is in serious decline. It looks like the mongoose are going to eat all of these muskrats into extinction. When nature takes another course. It hits them with the Uno reverse card. <laughs> oh my God. Located on Martinique is Mount Pele. Ooh. All right. Here's where the volcano stuff comes in. Uh, this is a volcano. It's a prominent feature of the island's landscape, and it had been dormant for decades. However, Mount Pele had quietly been exhibiting some signs of activity. Uh, things like subtle tremors. There's some volcanic ashes or gases kind of coming out of that guy. For us, something like that would be like, okay, this thing's going to blow. Yeah. Mongoose, um, they wouldn't even notice. Yeah, mongoose wouldn't. But Muskrat? No. Nah. No. But it's 1902 at this point. And, you know, without modern technology or the things we know now, the island inhabitants, including the muskrats and mongoose, didn't really expect a full eruption. Yeah. I mean, maybe it had rumbled in the past and nothing happened. I, I don't know. But this time it does. On May 8th, 1902, a powerful explosion of ash, gas, and rock is spewed into the sky, completely decimating the upper part of the mountain and obliterating everything in its path. It's going to have devastating results for the entire island, but the area most affected was the city of Saint-Pierre. That's the main city, the central hub of Martinique. It had theaters, music halls. It was called the Paris of the Caribbean. That was its nickname. And within minutes of the explosion, St. Pierre was engulfed in scorching pyroclastic flows. So that's like a deadly mixture of hot gases, ash, and volcanic debris. That's what's going to kill a lot of people more than so than than lava yeah yeah that's the stuff that it's just like rushing through the city right like yeah like just you think of a volcano exploding it's like a cartoon where it's just lava going everywhere and you're like oh no look out for the lava but it's not really the lava it's the pyroclastic flow yeah deadly gases and ash and all that stuff that was Making up the top of a mountain, right. which is suddenly rapidly rushing elsewhere. Yes. Perhaps at your head. And then? God. And it's crazy hot. It's not like there's just tiny sand and rocks that used to be a mountain rushing towards you. It's like yeah. billions of degrees in temperature. Billions? Billions. It was a billion degrees. <laughs> okay. The sky went dark. Ash is pouring down all over the island. The eruption completely destroyed the entire city of St. Pierre. It killed off most of the population. It's estimated that around 30,000 people died. Ooh, that's a lot. 
one of these residents you might be familiar with, uh, a Mr. <laughs> Ludger Silberis, and that should immediately spark your memory. So many bells are ringing right, right now. Uh, so Ludger, it was just like Ludger. I've never met a Ludger. Yeah, probably for good reason. Ludger. Ludger, so he's a prisoner. He's uh, in the city's jail. Have you seen this Discovery Channel history? Wait, channel? I have seen yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Get it out. So that's this one. You know, he's there. There's muskrats. Try to vision muskrats. He's he's in jail. He got thrown in jail yeah. while this volcano erupted. And fortuitously, him being in jail kind of shielded him yeah. from the volcanic blast. Yeah, but... But he was trapped in rubble. I think he was... he. Yeah, I remember from that episode, I think the rubble got in there, but I don't think he was badly hurt or anything. Yeah. He just got hungry. <laughs> yeah. But I'm trying to get you to imagine muskrats in there with him because this is a story about muskrats. So oh, yeah. Let's say there's a couple in there with him, maybe? Just to make a, a bad situation worse. <laughs> right. It. So now he's trapped in the jail and there's a musky odor in there that he can't do anything about. Yeah. Tragic. (laughs) All right. So yeah, he's shielded from the pyroclastic flow happening outside and it ultimately saves his life. That's that. That's all I got on that guy for now. Um, So he lives to see another day along with his muskrat buddies. Probably. You know, let your imagination decide what happens to him. Does he eat those muskrats down there with him? Like, how? I don't know how long he's stuck in there. Does he get out and he's made friends with them and now he's keeping them as pets? I don't know. <laughs> I guess which rating of the movie you're watching. If it's like G-rated, yeah, they're buddies now. Right. If it's PG and up, he's eating them. You, they're... He snacked on them. Long time ago. You snacked on them and you used the pelts. Mm-hmm. It's like a pillow or something. Let's say you also survive that. Are you saying, hey, Ludger, uh, let's let's call it even. You don't have to be in jail anymore. You Oh yeah. You everything is pardoned. Absolutely. I'm not like putting him in a makeshift jail while everybody's like <laughs> walking around covered in ash. Disaster. Right. Not like, you know, making a jail out of sticks to make sure this guy, I don't know what crimes he committed, but I doubt he's like a serial killer. <laughs> I don't remember. I want to say he was in the drunk tank or something. Yeah. Really. But He's uh, fine. You're absolved. Yeah, right. Volcano blast uh, legally, I think, absolves everyone from any crimes. Right. So there's a loophole. Yeah. If you're really aching to do some crimes, just find an active volcano. Great tip. Nobody will care. Everything will be excused. Okay, so for the wildlife on the island, uh, there was pure devastation as well. Lava and pyroclastic flow can completely destroy habitats and, of course, any animals in your path. Yeah. Even if you aren't in the direct path, volcanic ash will cover large areas. That's going to disrupt plant and animal habitats as well. It's going to contaminate water sources. Air is affected. It's a big control all delete on the whole ecosystem. Yeah. You're getting bombasted (laughs) 
every direction. Water, plants, soil. Air. Air. Gone. Messed up. Yeah. Unlivable. But there will be survivors. It's not guaranteed that there's going to, it's going to destroy everything. Mm -hmm. Things will survive, but just like you're lucky. You get stuck in a jail, stuff like that. Yeah. The muskrat or mongoose version of that. In addition to all that stuff raining down and destroying the habitat, those ashy particles that are in the air, they often have an effect, like a global climate effect, mm-hmm. and it'll change climate patterns. And that's because sunlight is getting reflected now back into space, and that'll cause the temps on Earth to drop, drop and just messes everything up yeah so i I was gonna say rad it's so rad in a way it is pretty radical temperature radical and rad so yeah the literal sense it is rad so yeah it's it has a big impact on ecosystems and in general is going to reshape them like coming out of that things are born anew and different than they were before you will have localized extinctions And in this case, it looks like the Martinique muskrat will fall victim to that. Hey, I mean, those plantation guys got to be stoked. Muskrats are gone. (laughs) Yeah. Problem solved. There you go. That Yeah, worked. You're right. That control alt delete on the island and then just start planting the coconuts again. No muskrats. Bye. So here's the caveat to this is that we can't say for sure if all the remaining individual muskrats were killed during that eruption. We don't know. Some of them might have been in the drunk tank. as you the dr- Right. They, that, exactly. It's mm-hmm. all coming back. And of course, the days and weeks and years after would likely be difficult for a lot of species. Uh, so they could have easily just fell into extinction naturally at that point. But the thing here is that even if a few survived, and I'm thinking like, yeah, you can burrow. Maybe mm-hmm. you're burrowing somewhere, or maybe you're even swimming out in the water because you've... That's one of the skills that you've previously de- established. Exactly. But you come out of that hole, you swim back to shore. Guess who didn't go extinct? Uh, mongoose. Exactly. Mongoose waiting for you right there on shore. They're too agile. They can outrun any volcanic thing. Yeah, they were probably like jumping up into trees, flipping around from tree to tree to avoid anything. Yeah. So even if there are a few muskrats hanging out, somehow surviving, those mongoose are quickly going to hunt them down and kill them because they're hungry. And the Yeah, if the volcano didn't get them, the mongoose are there ready to wipe up. Right. So it's a tough one because you want to give the extinction credit to the volcano because it just sounds cool. It's not usually one of the ones. If you look back at the, uh, you know, dozens of extinctions that you covered on this, volcanic eruption doesn't really come up as one of the, the factors. Yeah, that's and that's why I wanted to do this one today because that's a very unique extinction for us. Yeah. But... It was just sort of, it helped expedite the process. I think it would have happened anyway 
and the mongoose technically, I think, gets credit for it in this case because they could have likely survived that volcano if the mongoose had not been there in the aftermath, right? So pretty interesting history for this animal. Exciting. Is it gone? Yeah, that's it. But we don't have an exact date for it. We just know that, you know, the mongoose got there in 1890 with the sole purpose of getting rid of these guys. Yeah. Uh, 12 years later, the volcano erupts. Shortly thereafter, they never see muskrats again. They're gone. So 10 years, sort of a tag team effort with the mongoose and the volcano, it seems like. And I'm guessing after that, they continue to grow sugarcane and, and coconuts and everything. Um, some things happen. I'll skip to that part because we were just going to segue into the volcanic portion of the pod. Yeah. So what happens is that St. Pierre is abandoned. They move the capital to Fort de France and St. Pierre becomes like archaeological historical site. Eventually you could go to there today and it's open air museum of sorts. They still do sugarcane and stuff, I believe, but their main export now is bananas and rum. Bananas and rum. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mongoose are still on the island. Tale as old as time. Bring in one animal to wipe out the other, and then now you got a new animal infestation. Yeah. Are they bringing something in to... Wipe out the mongoose? Not going to happen. This is what... I didn't go too deep into this, but I think they are quite welcome there now. They are even living inside of homes in a quasi-domestic fashion. They're pet-like creatures, and people like having them around. Um, I mean, I'm quite like the idea of them because I'm terrified of snakes, and it would be very handy... To have one. I have a snake fighter yeah. in your ranks. Yeah, I could see that. And I could see, obviously, they keep down on rodents, which is always a problem on islands. So maybe it worked out all right for them. Yeah. So I, I wanted to talk about volcano stuff, if you don't mind. Uh, please. Please. Okay. I'm, I'm a big fan of volcanoes. They're just, you know, they're building the earth. It's crazy. Some famous volcanic eruptions. I don't know if you know any of these. Uh, I'm going to go oldest to most recent. So 1600 BCE, uh, we've got (laughs) Santorini, Greece, Thera erupts. That one is associated with the decline of the Minoan civilization. Do you remember that? Uh, Who could forget it? No. (laughs) I didn't know there was a Minoan civilization. Oh, okay. Well, that wiped them out. It helps to wipe them out. And there was ash found as far away as Greenland. So it was a big volcano. Yeah. Huge eruption. I'm not going to give you any small eruptions in this list. I'm not going to. These are all world enders, basically. Civilization enders. Right. Yeah. Hit me with some more. Okay. You ever heard of a... Vesuvius? (laughs) Vesuvius? <laughs> I have. That's one I have heard of. Right. So that one's uh, pretty famous in Italy. That was 79 CE. And that one famously buried Pompeii and Herculaneum 
under ash and pumice sort of providing a snapshot of life in ancient Rome for archaeological students for ever pretty much <laughs> yeah like very cool that one's the best because yeah exactly what you said everything was frozen in time and you can go back and look at it and go oh wow they had like chicken stands where you go get a little lunch on the side of the road and maybe things weren't so different yeah a few thousand years ago right so not cool for pompeii but cool cool for us yeah so. big win for archaeology uh, this one is lesser known, Laki, L-A-K-I, that was in Iceland, and um, that was uh, 1783, and that happened for eight months, it was erupting, and it released large amounts of volcanic gla- gases, including sulfur dioxide, into the atmosphere. The consequences of this were felt globally with climate abnormalities and impacts on agriculture reported in Europe. There's a whole book on it. <laughs> it's a fascinating book. Tambora. So this is in 1815 in Indonesia. It was the most powerful in recorded history, this explosion. Mm. It caused the year without a summer. This always this fascinates me in 1816, resulting in widespread crop failures and food shortages across the Northern Hemisphere. So they just, they didn't have a summer that year. Just because of one giant explosion from yeah. the volcano. And all that ash reflecting Man, the sun that's back. crazy. That right? could happen today. That could happen today. Yeah. And everything would be thrown out of whack. For sure. Th- yeah, that one gets me. Um, th- we got Krakatoa. That's uh, 1883 in Indonesia. Krakatoa was one of the deadliest and most destructive in modern history. It generated a series of tsunamis and produced the loudest sound ever recorded. Whoa. Also had global climactic effects and affected crops, all that stuff. Loudest sound. like So if you're hanging out in that area, do, do you just you permanent... I think your head gets blown off mostly. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure there's a range in miles or kilometers that hearing loss is pretty much permanent. Right. So let's say you were lucky enough to be imprisoned in a cell that protects you from the pyroclastic flow. You lose your hearing. It could be worse, but yeah. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) sure, sure. All right, Mount St. Helens, uh, 1980 in Washington, it's not, I don't know, it's not crazy like these other ones I've mentioned. It was just one of the most studied ones in recent history, and we learned a lot from it. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, it, you know, you're going to see what you're going to see there from an average volcanic eruption. Nothing, No, like, loudest noise heard or the biggest tsunami ever. Didn't extinct ever. anything. That we know, I don't know, maybe it did, but. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll mention Pinatubo in the philippines i'm probably saying that wrong this was in 1991 again a huge eruption that caused a lot of global climactic events messing with crop cycles and and crop yields and i mean i was probably too young to remember that but it was pretty recent to have something like that mess up a global um economy in a way right yeah uh this one 2010 it's a it's a crazy word here. This is in Iceland. Yes, it's a 
Aya Fetal Yokultal. Something, yeah. It's a valiant effort. So that eruption was famous for disrupting air travel across Europe. I do remember this one. The volcanic ash cloud led to the closure of airspace, affecting millions of travelers. And, it, you know, this isn't one of the largest eruptions in terms of volume, but its impact on modern society was really felt, mm. you know? It's like... Yeah, I remember this one. They showed, like, the satellite images. You see this huge cloud yeah. going over, and it's they show, like, here's the regular, you know, flight yes. plans, and now beep, you know, move everybody's going to be div- diverted for a while. And lots of footage of people stuck in airport terminals. Yeah. I remember that. Okay, so th- those were some super cool volcanoes that i just had to mention yeah Yeah. um and that's that's kind of all i got for this one um seems like you were rooting for the muskrat's demise because it was a i wasn't necessarily rooting for it but i'm not going to be too emotionally attached like i said you know it was brought to that island it caused troubles and then if it gets extinct, it's like, all right, well, I guess they're back to where you started with not having muskrats on that island. No big deal. <laughs> right? And it's cool that a volcano is the one who did it. That's fun. Maybe muskrats weren't supposed to be on that island. And in the end, it all worked out. So do I feel bad about their extinction? I mean, do they still survive in other places? Different kinds of muskrats. Other muskrats. Yeah. So I'm, I don't feel bad about that one. <laughs> but the unique scent, musky scent that each one has. Maybe it's a big deal in the muskrat community. <laughs> to me, not so much. Okay. All right. That's kind of all I had to get you excited about this animal was, uh, this rodent was the unique smell that they had. <laughs> so <laughs> Not a big selling uh, right, point right, for me. Right. Anyway. Final thought, this episode, was it as bad as the one last week, or are we getting better? I have no idea. Oh. I don't know until I listen, and I don't listen. And you don't listen, and, and that's that. Nope. Bye. Bye. Peg Lake Deer Production.